Yeah, we missed you last week, but you know, our guest this week, I would say you hold her pretty close to your heart. So we had to have you back. Yeah, uh, it's my wife, Mary Westfall. She's the best. Literally, like she's the best Mary Westfall that exists. I don't know any other ones. But even if there was like a thousand, she'd still be the best, you know? Yeah, I think you're a little bit biased, but I mean, in the best no. way possible. Mm-mm. No, you're not biased. No. <laughs> you're yeah, not it's playing been favorites. Proven. She's the best. She's the best one. No, yeah, she... um. I was really happy that she said, yeah, I would like to do your podcast because for whatever reason, like we do this podcast and like we ask people, I'm like, oh, they're going to say no. You know, like in my head, I'm like, they're probably going to say no. Yeah. I just saw I saw a joke the other day. People making fun of people doing podcasts are like, you know, I always tell people I'm going to like, let's wait six weeks. And they're like, your podcast will go away and then none of it will be here anymore. And then I don't have to do your podcast anymore. And I was like, now I understand what people think about people with podcasts, but we're serious. We're dead serious here. Yeah, we're going, you know, and I kind of understand the sentiment of waiting until somebody's a little more into it to be a guest. So often when somebody hit me up, if they don't have at least 10 episodes, I'll be like, hey, I'll be your 10th guest because I want to make sure that they're going to put in the time. So I put in the time and it makes sense. But I get it. You know, some people do something and they fade away after a little bit. But hey, we're coming up on six months here. We're basically toddlers of the podcast game. And if we were a cat, we'd be like, how old is that? Like nine years, four and a half years old. Yeah. Like if we were cats and and humans at the same time, we'd be coming up on being able to eat solid food. Wow. Yeah. You know what? We're going to be able to drive soon. On a scale of one to two. One being yes and two being no. How many people skip our intro, do you think? Zero. Ah, yeah. All right, cool. We're so happy you're here. This week on Don't Shut on the Bus, we have, like Neil said, the wonderful Mary Westfall. Mary Westfall is a touring chef. Well, she was a private chef before. Well, you'll learn more about it once we get into it. But yeah, Neil, tell us about her career path. She She's not a touring chef anymore. I changed that. We yeah. had a baby. It's great. <laughs> she can't go on tour anymore because there's a baby. But she she's incredible. She has worked for some of the biggest names in the touring game. She was Travis Barker's personal chef. That's how I met her. She was out on the road with Blink-182. Uh, before that, she was Ellie Golding's personal chef. She got her whole start out in L.A. working for Jeremy Piven. All happened through chance, just being in the right place at the right time. And we've talked about it a lot. You know, networking is so important in this industry and a lot can change in just one night. Uh, And that happened for her. So she was out having dinner at Crossroads in L.A. with her manager at the time. And uh, Ron Jeremy and Jeremy Piven were at the restaurant. She went in there, made a tweet. Within a couple weeks, she was Jeremy Piven's personal chef. And just like that, her whole luck and her whole world, her whole existence changed. Um, and so it's crazy. It can happen like that. Yeah, we we definitely stress that like we don't really care your path to get in the music industry. I mean, we care, but like everything's acceptable. Like everybody's oh, yeah. welcome. Find your way, make it work. Welcome. You're we all were, welcome. We were we were talking before we started recording. We we're like, you know, if you're in a if you're in a fight in the real world, there's no rules. It's kind of the same way with this, you know, it's like when it comes to your success in the music industry, there's almost no rules. And as creative as you can be, it really works like it helps, you know, like people have seen almost everything, right? The people that you're going to go try and work for or, or the, the tour you're going to try and get on. They've seen everything. Be creative. Be yourself. It makes a difference. Uh, with that being said, Mary Mattern, she fucking did it. And then she became Mary Westfall. 
I blame you. Yeah, it was my fault. I asked her and she said yes. She's like, yeah, I'll be Mary Westfall. Yeah. You know, Neil, I know your favorite part is the Patreon and announcing the new patrons. And last week we only had one and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think people were saving up for waiting for you to come back. No offense, Connor, because they know it's your favorite part. So now that you're back, we've got four. To be honest, though, I talked to my really good friend and they joined. Who is it? Jesus. Okay, yep. so then how is their name pronounced? Uh, you, They go by either Jesus or Jesus, depending on the day. Sunday, Jesus. Friday, Jesus. I don't wow, know. Wow, that is um, uh, a good place to be in the world. Yeah. Uh, but then there's a couple others, you know, and they're just as important as Jesus on Sunday. And that's Cat, Dove, and Sam. Welcome, Cat, Dove, Sam, and Jesus slash Jesus to the Patreon. We'll see you on the Discord, and we appreciate your support. Yeah, we really do. It's amazing what how much love we have for all of you. Exciting news, Neil. Yes, what? Bag tags are in. Bag Last tags. Last chance. This next week or whenever I get the stickers, actually, you know, you've got something you're signing. We're signing a little postcard. We've got some stickers. we got some bag tags. We're going to send them out to everybody who is a patron. We don't care if it's one month or five months. We just want everybody to have one. So yes. get on there. Sign up. We'll send you a bag tag every, uh, yeah, get on. The worst thing that can happen is you can lose your bag. But if you have a bag tag, at least people know where to send the bag that they found of yours. Yeah, it's cool. We have a dedicated page on our website. So if they go to it, they can like submit a form with a number and then we'll know who, know whose it is. And then we can send it to them. That's genius. I wish <laughs> I thought of that, but I didn't. <laughs> it's okay. We did, did this together. It was a group effort. You could take credit. We thought of it together. Uh, okay. So uh, this is Mary Westfall and she's a badass and you're going to love this episode because she's just incredible and her story is really inspiring and she helps you navigate this world Better than anyone else that I know. She uh, She's just a badass. And uh, if you're a girl out there and you're wondering, how do I get on tour and how do I make it work? She is the perfect example of how you do it. And she does it with grace and she's incredible. And if you have any questions, don't feel like you shouldn't be able to reach out because you can and she'll answer any questions that you have. She's amazing like that. So without further ado, Mary Westfall. And happy Mother's Day, Mary. You. Hello, my beautiful wife. Hi. Hi, Hi Neil's Adam. beautiful wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're married to her too? <laughs> no, Neil's beautiful wife. Oh. Your wife. I feel like I've been welcomed into your guys' home for this podcast. And the energy <laughs> is so relaxing because I can tell that your parents. Because we are. it's not you look quite tired. It's not, it's, I was going to say, it's not quite this exhausted feeling. It's this feeling of like, you couldn't make me mad or upset right now because I deal with so much all the time. Like I'm, I don't know how to explain it. You guys just feel like, Hey, how's it going? Oh yeah. I mean, you couldn't make us mad or upset anyways, <laughs> but I get what you're saying. This is pretty easy considering, I mean, for Mary, especially she, she's the one that's like superwoman and does all this stuff and. I just kind of have to take over whenever she physically can't continue to do it, you know? Yeah, I was... And you do such a good job at that. She's like, Neil, I've been working for 12 hours straight. Please do this for 40 minutes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, I was saying before you got here, Neil, I was saying thank you to Mary because I know every time we get you, it means Mary is working. And I know how often we get you. So thank you, Mary, for not only doing what you do, but doing what you do so we can do what we do. Yeah, of course. She's the best. Yes. I'll put a vote in that. I'll put a vote in that. <laughs> okay. So, Mayor, how were you? Did you get your first job when you were 12 years old? 
I'm so good. Um, I did get my first job when I was 12 years old. <laughs> How do you really? know so much about our guests, Neil? I was thir- I was 13. I worked at Dunkin' Donuts, and I had to get my school to sign a paper saying that I could work because legally you couldn't oh. unless you were doing good in school. Work release. So you had to get what's up? I'm trying to remember what that's called. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but keep going. Oh yeah, no, I don't remember what it's called either. Um, but yeah, you'd have to get your school to sign a paper. Cause I really wanted to work for some reason at Dunkin' Donuts. Um, and that was my first job. Yeah. I just picture like, you know, when people are getting held back from a fight and you're like putting your arm out, I picture you uh-huh. like that, but for work, you're like, no, let me at them. Let me at <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. I need to work. Yes. I'm a teenager now. Is this when I your love I just, for like, donuts I wanted to hang started? out with my friends. Yeah. I, I hated donuts for a very long time after that because if, if you've ever worked at Dunkin' Donuts, you know that you come home smelling like donuts Ugh. and everything you own smells like donuts and it's just like fried mm. sugar. It's Yeah, it's, it's not great after working there for a couple months. But How long did you have that job? I probably worked there for like six months and then I was over it. I feel... And then I became a babysitter or something. I feel like every job people get when they're that age last for six months but it feels like it's like three years but you look back like that yeah, was only it, six it months like a really long time yeah oh i worked at a dry cleaner after that that's right and then they made me the manager and i was like 16 years old and i was like i shouldn't have this much responsibility <laughs> over a full company it was probably like a drug front for something to be honest they didn't care so like yeah you can yeah, whatever you're doing is fine that'll work <laughs> Yeah. We're cool with that. You're showing up to work. You got it. Yeah. You're more responsible than these other seven people that work here. So, yeah, you can be a manager. Yeah. You yeah. actually care. That's great. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we went right into it, but thank you for joining us today. We'll be doing our intro for you separately, but it's cool. Like the idea behind getting you on this is we want to explore other jobs that exist on the road that aren't, they're not the first jobs that get added, but when does a personal chef or whatever you want to classify it as get added to a tour and why do you, do you mean at what level? Yeah. Like, or do you mean like kind of like in the planning process at what level, like when does an artist or how do they decide? Like we need to have our own chef. I think it comes down to dietary restrictions, at least for my case. Um, most of the time and most of the tours that, I've been on other artists and like openers are fine with uh, eating catering, but I feel like as you make more money and have dietary restrictions, you want someone that can make you food every day. Cause food is such a mass eating is such a massive part of, you know, your job. You want to eat good food and you want to stay healthy on tour. And that's not always possible, especially with catering. Um, Catering is just doing the best they can to feed a massive amount of people. And so it's my job to come in and create uh, menus that will, you know, keep you healthy on the road. That makes sense. Healthy, happy. I mean, food is like one of the biggest things when I was touring, especially when I was vegan. uh, It was one of the biggest things that like just made me happy. I'm like, oh, a good meal. I would pay. I I feel like once we got started, uh, like on that Europe tour when I was vegan, I would have paid any amount of money to be able to eat good food every single day. Like it was so worth it. It can really warp your day. Like it really affects your day tremendously. And what were you going to say? Yeah, it absolutely does. It. I mean, you, you have to have, I mean, as Neil, you know, like, and Adam, 
X amount of energy to get through the night, right? So your whatever you do that day is going to dictate, you know, how much energy you have on stage. So I definitely think that people hire personal chefs to facilitate that and make sure that regardless of whatever catering is that day, that it's a constant, um, a constant in their, in their schedule. And also like people are just creatures of habit as well. And I think when you get to that level, like you want something that you know is going to be good, you know, is going to be consistent, um, regardless of what city you're in. And there, there are catering companies that will travel with tours, but it's very rare that that happens anymore. Tours mainly use catering companies, whatever like the local catering is. It's like in Southern California, you can get the same catering for like five stops or six stops. Right. But then once you get out of that area, it's whoever is in Arizona, whoever is in or, New Mexico right. or whatever. Or like yeah. I've had it in, maybe you can explain to me why New Mary, but I've had it in the UK like you know, is that just because everything's closer there? We'll have like the same one for like our five Europe mm-hmm. arena shows or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I also know too, it's like being at home and like, ha- like being on, when you're at a certain level on tour, being able to carry those like creature comforts on the road with you means so much uh, for your mental health and for like getting through that time away from home. Like, so if you're used to having a personal chef at home, which I'm sure Travis Barker, that's how you guys kind of like got started is like you went on tour with him because you were his personal chef at home, correct? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to not tour anymore uh, when I was his personal chef. I had just gotten off tour with Ellie and I was going to do my last tour with her um, like three months later. Uh, And in that time, I was cooking for Travis and a couple of other clients. And I was like, I'm not touring anymore. This is going to be my last tour with Ellie. And then I started cooking for Travis and he found out that I toured and he's like, Hey, do you want to come on tour with us? <laughs> Shit. He and knows. I'm like, uh, yes, I absolutely do. How are you going to turn that down? Yeah, like, you, can. you can't. And so do you want consistent yeah. work all over? Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that's yeah. great. And, and I was just Neil, saying too, it's like when he, when you started touring with him, he had you come on tour so that he could continue that feeling of comfort you know, from being on at home, knowing what to expect, and then kind of like continuing that on once he's on the road. And the fact that you've already toured, that's like, I know it as a person, like looking to hire someone, that's like one of the biggest things is to make me feel comfortable. Like having a guitar tech or having like a stage manager that you know has done the job for artists either bigger than you or at your size, just gives you that comfort that you need whenever you're out on the road. Right, and I think as a personal chef too, Another part of being a personal chef, regardless of if you're touring, is to be able to be in someone else's space and kind of make them feel comfortable in the sense that you're with them all day, every day, and you need to be able to respect their space and be able to kind of just like get in there and get out and, you know, be be that person for them that is doing that specific job um, and is able to kind of like act I don't, I don't know how to put it. Just like act like a, um, another part of the family. Yeah. Cause essentially you, you, they probably see you more than they see most of your family. Yeah. <laughs> most of their family rather. Especially if you like, you're eating three meals a day. It's like, you're around all day. You're there. You know, well, you are a member of the family. And it's not just five. three meals a day. It's snacks and smoothies. And I mean, you're doing their whole dietary needs. It's not just, uh, three meals a day, you know? 
Well, Neil, you might be able to agree here. You started us off great by asking Mary how she got started. And I was like, well, how do you become a chef on the road? But maybe we should circle back and figure out yeah, the yeah, things yeah. that happened between, uh, let's see, working at the dry cleaner and then touring with Ellie Golding and yeah. Travis Barker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a little it bit was of a jump a there. Apart. It, that's how it started. My Ellie fault. Golding needed well, something dry clean. I, uh, I, started, um, I started touring with... Shai Halud. I sold merch for Shai Halud a very long time ago. I think I was like 20. Um, and, and how did you a s- friend of mine was filling in as the drummer? No, you're good. That's what Can I was going to ask. I wanted to oh, know okay. the story. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine was filling in as the drummer and he's like, Hey, do you want to do this tour? Um, I was at that time, I was the record label for stillborn records, which is uh, Jamie Jasta from hate breeds record label. Um, and I met Mike, who is the drummer he was the drummer for Unearth, and then he went over to drum for Shai Halud, and um, I started touring with Shai Halud. I did a couple tours with them. I got a job in Baltimore at another record label, and I like touring was never like my goal or something that I wanted to do long term. I just did it because I was like, I'll take the summer off and go tour and whatever, and it was really cool. It opened my mind to a kind of like a lot of different positions that you could have in the touring world. Um, and then I got out of the music industry to figure out what I really wanted to do long-term. Um, Cause I think a lot of people that tour, at least if you're like touring with your friends, you know, when you first start, you would love to make it long-term, but you don't really think it's going to be like a long-term thing. You either just like doing it for the summer or you're like driving your friend's van for like a tour and, you know, and so when I stopped, um, when I stopped touring, I became a nanny in Baltimore and I just started cooking. Like I just, wanted to eat better. And the, uh, farmer's market was right across the street from my house. So I would like spend all this money on like gorgeous produce. And then it would all just go bad in my refrigerator. Like it's, (laughs) it consistently, I was losing a lot of money or I'd like order takeout. So it would just sit there. So I was determined to teach myself how to cook. And this was like in the beginning of Instagram when Instagram just kind of started to become something that like people, used to like promote businesses and you know it had been around I think at that point for a couple of years but I started to use it as like a food blog or what we know now as like food bloggers I would post food that I was making whether it was burnt or whatever like I would post my mistakes and uh, I think people related to how real it was like it wasn't all like pretty and I was definitely like I was teaching myself and I made it known that like I was learning and like it was not something to judge. And I just wanted to help other people learn from my mistakes, basically. And I wanted to create an account that I could see my progression and how I was growing as a cook. And this was all just me doing it at home. And then I got a couple of jobs with different companies, working with different companies like Gardein and um, a tofu company. And they would send me products and I would cook with them. And and I kind of, I kind of decided that that's where I wanted to go. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted it to have to do with food. Um, and then I went out to Los Angeles and I went to a restaurant called Crossroads. And um, I made a joke on Twitter because Ron Jeremy, if you don't know what Crossroads is, it's a vegan restaurant, a vegan fine dining restaurant in Los Angeles. 
um, by Chef Tall. And Chef Tall was Oprah Winfrey's um, personal chef before he opened Crossroads. Legit. And he, um, I had been waiting to go there since I decided to be vegan at that point, which was like two years. And while I was there, Ron Jeremy was there and uh, Jeremy Piven. And I was sitting in the restaurant and I'm like, this is such like an LA thing to happen. (laughs) I had never been to LA at that point. So this was like mind blowing to me. I'm like, what is happening? Like, not only are like these people in this restaurant, they're also, it's like a vegan restaurant, you know, something that in Baltimore where I was living at the time, like it was kind of taboo, you know, like there was like two vegan restaurants and they were nowhere near what Crossroads is. They were like granola, you know, fried (laughs) tofu and that's about it. Right. And so I made a joke on Twitter stating, I think it was like, it was a Ron Jeremy Piven night at Crossroads, whatever, like something really stupid. And, uh, Jeremy Piven messaged me and was like, Hey, um, I'm looking for a personal chef. Do you have a manager that I can reach out to? And I was like, yeah, totally. (laughs) And I told him this now and he thinks it's insane that this happened. I literally, uh, my friend Melissa at the time, I'm like, Hey, can you act as my manager? Like, I really want to take this job because I think I can do it. And she wanted me to move to Los Angeles. Yeah, she wanted me to move to Los Angeles. So she was like, yeah, I'll absolutely do it. So we made up like an email address for her. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get her here. She she did that and uh, reached out to Jeremy. I went to cook for him a couple of times while he was filming Entourage the movie. And... um, and he's like, okay, cool. Let's do this. Do you want to be my personal chef? And I was like, uh, yeah, I absolutely do. <laughs> like, so, and just everything about it, I loved, I loved the feeling of just like feeding someone in order for them to be able to do what they do best. Right. Yeah. So you're like enabling um, them. You're like part of their team. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. That's so sick. And he, he moved, he has an apartment in New York. And so I ended up moving back home. I'm originally from Suffern, New York. So it's like 40 minutes outside of New York city. And um, he was filming in New York. So I was working for him while he filmed and then decided to move to Los Angeles because he convinced me that there was a whole market there for vegan personal chefs and that I can, um, get like a whole clientele list. So I decided to move to LA, not having, uh, any like real, focus on what I was going to do. No, like I had two friends there and I was like, I'll just figure it out. I feel like that's such like the quintessential, like LA story. I'm just going to move to LA and I'll figure it out when I get there, you know? Yeah. That's Um, so cool. And what's up? I never knew this story. I mean, like I know you, but like I never sat you down. I was like, so tell me about uh, your beginnings to your career. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very weird to this day. I think the whole thing's so weird. It's just (laughs) such a bizarre, um, bizarre coincidences. Um, after I decided to move to Los Angeles, Ellie Golding started following me on Instagram and she wrote me a message and was like, Hey, I just became vegan or she was trying to eat more vegan food. And she was like, your food looks amazing. Um, so I wrote her back and I was like, oh, thank you so much. You know, if you ever need a personal chef on tour, let me know. <laughs> um, and she's like, actually, I'm touring in two months. Do you want to be my personal chef? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, Just two uh, yeses. Yes, I've toured before. I've been a personal chef at this point for about six months. Like I felt confident that I could do it. Um, 
And so I got the tour with Ellie and I did a couple of tours with her. Um, But for me, be having like a home base was more important. So I really wanted to not tour and make Los Angeles my home and just work with clients there. Ironically, even just being at home in Los Angeles, I mainly worked for musicians, a couple of actors, but mainly musicians. Um, And then, yeah, and then Travis hit me up and was like, hey, I need a personal chef. Um, through a, through a mutual friend of ours. And so I started cooking for him at home. Uh, and yeah, like I said, he just asked me to tour and that's kind of, that's kind of the basis of a even longer story of how I got into it. But well, that's good. You had multiple experiences of touring though, which is kind of rad because like even touring when you were younger, kind of set you up to be able to say yes to Ellie Goldie and be like, yeah, I have experience touring, you know? And Oh yeah. First, if I had never toured, there's no way (laughs) that I would have been like, yeah, I can make this work. But I think because I knew the basics of touring and how the dynamics worked, um, I knew that I could at the very least figure it out. You're like, this is not going to be harder than Shai Halud tour. But when being, I was even though it probably was was, harder because I've seen some of the (laughs) kitchen setups that you have and like how much stuff you had to set up on tour and it it might have been harder. Maybe. I don't know. I I think that is the hardest part of being a personal chef on tour is you don't have a designated area where you're set up. You have to figure out a place to set up at six o'clock in the morning when they're loading in. And then you have to figure out whether or not you have enough electric to make it work you like everything you're doing yourself and it's kind of just like being a chef in a restaurant where you're not only just a sh- you're not only cooking you're not a cook you're also a mathematician you're also a <laughs> plumber a electrician you know you're doing every single job you wear a lot of hats as they say yeah Right. Well, when you right. were when you were telling us your story, one thing that stuck out to me is you said, you know, there was a lot of bizarre coincidences that kind of put me in this spot. But I was wondering if going back and thinking about those bizarre coincidences, do you think that either maybe you didn't put it in the story and you do feel this way or maybe you haven't thought about it this way, but do you think a lot of the credit actually goes to you as a person and how you handle these situations? Or were there like underlying, I don't know, uh, attributes that you, you have as a person that really uh, guaranteed that your success in these, I mean, it's from what it sounded like through the story, it's like, Hey, I got this big client and another big client. Like, what did it take from your end to be just ready to undertake these big steps? Um, I just think the fact that I said yes, and I didn't fully, I, I wasn't fully confident that I could do it, but I, to me, if I failed at it, I failed at it. You know what I mean? Like, the worst thing that could happen would be that Jeremy Piven says my food sucks. Okay, cool. And then I just keep doing, you know, I keep trying to figure out. (laughs) You don't really lose much for taking the chance, you know? I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just an opportunity. And don't get me wrong. Like I've definitely failed a ton, but I think that the reason that I've been so successful at what I've done is because I've said yes a lot to the things that I've succeeded at and to the things that I've inevitably ended up failing at. But it's like the ready aim or ready fire aim, like where you're just going to like go and do it. And once you get there, you'll adjust if you need to. Yeah, you just make right. it work. And you learn, like, even if you fail in the end, like you learned so much along the way. Like even if you worked for, let's say worked for Jimmy Piven and he fired you six months later, like the stuff you learned during those six months is you couldn't even fathom right. those things. Like you can't even know those Google there's no searches. School. Yeah, yeah. There's no school for those lessons, right. you know? So right. you and to. I think another, another thing you have to be as a personal chef 
is you have to be able to adapt to things and adapt to situations and environments. And I feel like I'm really good at that. Um, but it takes someone who can not, you know, have a panic attack. The fact that there is an electric somewhere, it's like, it takes someone to be like, okay, this is the situation and we just need to fix it. Like you don't have time on tour to be like, to complain really. Yeah. I mean, if, if you do, you won't be on tour for long, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, like you just, you have to adapt. Like people don't have time to listen to you complain. Really. They need to do their job and you need to figure out yours. It's, it's kind of like you have to be a problem solver. Like that's like a right. prerequisite yeah, going in there. Cause like you said, like you're your own boss, but you're also your team. Like you're, you're, you're what is there to get the job done. It's not like you have 10 other people working with you, like in right. a restaurant or something like that. You right. know? And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, everyone on tour, tour definitely works together, the tour manager to make sure things run smoothly, but they're not going to listen to a problem that you have that they hired you to problem solve. You know, that's part of yeah. your job is to problem solve. It's. I always think of it as like, I don't want to ever, like whether I'm in the position of being the business owner or I'm the employee, like I don't want to ever pay somebody to do, like I don't want to do their job if I'm paying them to do their job. I want them to yes, just handle that. Yes. Like if they show up to work and then ask me to do their job, it's like, wait a second, that's what you're here yeah. for. <laughs> right. This well, is, it's like you're, you're paying yeah. someone to do a job to, to save time and to save and to be able to put all of yourself into something else that you have to do. It's yeah. like, you don't need to be like, oh shit, you know what? Let me do that for you. Cause it's like, I, you don't have right. time. I yeah. mean, and I learned that very early on. And it's something that I definitely learned. I did not know that going into touring. I was like, oh, everyone's in this together. Like, and like I said, they are to a certain extent, but like you are there to do your job, you know? And it is a lax environment. So you really have to be a someone who's self-motivated. I don't, yeah, I don't think, especially with maybe a chef or something like that, there's nobody else on the tour that even knows everything you have to do. Like they're not going to know if you're not <laughs> right. doing your job. You're the only, all they know is like, is there food for the artist or not? Because everything else is like a long list of things they've never even heard about. Right. Right. They don't care if I can't find a ride to the grocery store. Like <laughs> I need to find a ride to the grocery store, you know? It's like, if that food's not there, whatever that excuse is, like all of that stuff should be planned the day before, the week before, you know? So it's like any anything that can arise comes down to adaptability. I also think too, it's like, like you said, that's with almost all jobs on tour, right? Like you need to advance a lot of the things going on on the daily basis uh, because when it comes down to it, no one else really cares why. It's just the fact right. that it's not done, right? Like if it's a guitar tech and he doesn't have strings, they don't care that the strings on the guitar are broken. They care that it, it works and it's and it's able to play the show. Like in the same thing with that. And that to me, every time waking up and seeing you like art, you're like, yeah, I've already been to the grocery store and a farm and uh, a farmer's <laughs> market. <laughs> I'm like, who is this superwoman on tour? And yeah, then we got awesome. married. Just kidding. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you guys, sometimes I feel like we're, I know we're all looking at each other, but if you guys are looking at each other, I feel like you're communicating in a whole nother level I don't exist on because you guys are in love. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm here, but like, you guys can speak different languages than me. I honestly, I am in, am thoroughly enjoying hearing uh, Mary's story. It's like every too. chance I get to hear it, I'm stoked. I mean, you do kind of encompass the saying that people would sometimes call fake it till you make it, even though I believe that that kind of has a negative connotation that doesn't 
isn't really accurate, but you know, it's, yeah. it's just, I, I think even people that are faking it till they make it, as they say, they're talented. You can't totally fake it. You right. can't, there is a certain extent of talent. I think it's more so those people just taking that chance because you could get the chance and fail at it. Right. But you got the chance and you didn't. So I don't necessarily think that that's faking it. I think you are just good at what you do mm-hmm. if you get the chance and um, and you succeed at it. It's one of those things, too, where it's like, hey, you, you need six years experience to get this job. You know, it's like, how do you get six years experience? Like you have to go and take a chance. And that's ultimately what you did is you put yourself out there. You believed in yourself. Someone gave you a chance and you just took advantage of it. It was it was really just you taking what you knew already and just going, I think I can learn the rest as I go, which is pretty awesome. So moving forward, I guess if I could set this up, like we know what you do, you know, somebody hires you, you're Mm -hmm. a chef, you go on tour, you make food. Yes. What, like for people who like, it's kind of self-explanatory, but can you explain, we're going to go in depth, like what your daily routine is like. So people can kind of understand, but if you were to take a step back and look down on it, what would it be? Is it like you make three meals a day, you build a kitchen? Like what are the things you kind of have to do each day as the chef on tour? Yeah. So the night before, we'll start with the night before you send the artist their menu, um, and what they want and you create different options for them. Usually it's three or four options. Um, if you're good at your job, you will either call different purveyors that night before or week before, um, to see, what local produce is in each city. And then you'll create a menu based on that. Um, when you get to that city in the morning, right, right when the trucks are loading out is when I'll go to the grocery store. I'll, I'll try to find a a local, um, whole foods most of the time, because a lot of artists have specialty protein powders or different types of um, energy drinks that they like. And most of the time you can find them at whole foods or a health food store, um, but when you're, you know, in the middle of nowhere, sometimes Montana. you just have to make do, Yeah, right. You have to make do with your local grocery store or, or a lot of the times those towns will have really good farmer's markets actually. So, and this is in the um, morning you said, what's that? This is right in the morning. This is like the first thing you do. Yeah. Yeah. So this is about, I'll usually get back from the grocery store, um, around seven o'clock and then at seven o'clock. Most of the time, our stuff will be loaded out, and then we'll have to set it up. So that'll include uh, making sure we're turning our ovens on so they're heated, making sure that um, before that, making sure we can find the right electric, making sure that our um, our tables are popped up, our prep tables are ready, our knives are sharpened, um, making sure that we have everything we need for the day and making sure that nothing went bad from the night before. Um, just kind of doing a kitchen overview checklist. I would have a list of things that basically just a, um, a breakdown of everything that needed to be done in the morning with the equipment. Um, I would have to find where the closest, um, three compartment sink is to do dishes and hand wash, just make sure those sanitary um, requirements are available. And then I would start making breakfast. Um, for everyone, it's different. Um, with certain artists, I'd have to wake up at, you know, even earlier than 6 a.m. and start making smoothies. For other people, they wouldn't get out of their bus gotcha. until 4 p.m. So, <laughs> you know, it's different for everyone. Um, but 
roughly the day would go, I would make breakfast. I would start prepping for lunch and dinner at the same time because certain things take, you know, X amount of time to make throughout the day. And then I would, depending on how many people I was cooking for, I would try to make sure that everyone was accounted for. And I would go and talk to the tour manager, make sure that there aren't any new people added to the guest list that I would need to cook for. Um, and just making sure that I had everything I needed and then just cooking for them and making sure that they had everything they needed, um, before they went on stage. And then once they were on stage, I would start prepping after show food. And then after I gave them their after show food, uh, I would do one last check before I started breaking down and then we would have to get everything on the truck. Um, during loadout and then I would go to sleep every night by midnight Jeez. and that's what the typical day looks like what how so, many sorry go Neil I was just gonna say like so when you're there like do you carry all of the food with you like what do you do with the cold items uh so we different tours different equipment so one tour we couldn't carry any cold items um they didn't have a means for transportation so that was really challenging in the fact that I would need to use up all of the ingredients that I got for that day. Oh, wow. um, and a way that we did that was I cooked for a lot of the immediate staff that was around them. So per personal assistants, um, nannies, whoever was like in their immediate group, um, in order for that food not to go to waste, I would make sure that everyone else was fed. Is that something that you would do often? Like how many people do you usually cook for? Um it depends if, if it's a hometown show, sometimes 50 people. If it's in the middle of nowhere, one. It really depends on how many people are around them. So like if, like, let's say like, I'm Ellie Golding, like, <laughs> and I hire you as my chef. Are you cooking yeah. for just me or are you cooking for like? I oh, I get know. your question. Yeah, so yeah. am I part of catering or am I just? Because essentially you can explain a personal that. chef is just cooking for the artist, okay. right? They're cooking for the artist and... If, if they want you to, they can pay for you to cook for more people. But essentially, your job is to cook for them. You are there to make sure they are getting everything that they need. Um, and everyone else eats catering because it's already paid for. It's there, you know, um, unless they have some special dietary needs. So when we were on tour with Blink, I know that Travis's entourage was rather large. Did you mm -hmm. cook for all of them or how did that work? Um, I cooked for Travis. I cooked for Travis and his family and that's it. Oh, okay. Okay. And then when we were in Europe, I just remember their kids would always bring us potato chips that were freshly cooked. Do you remember that, Neil? Yep. They would just, because yeah. they would like get these fresh meals and they would just want our like trash rider food. Yeah. They, yeah. We'd trade they were just kids. They just yeah. wanted to be kids. So yeah. They had like these gourmet, amazing potato chips that were like, just think, like probably some of the best potato chips I've ever e eaten made freshly for them. And then they'd bring them in and hang out with us and be like, hey, so what are you guys doing? Uh, can I have some of your Doritos? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, can I eat your potato chips? And they're like, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> wait, wait, Mary, when yeah, you're on tour, great. I know like, like yeah. this might seem silly because it's so, well, maybe it's not that silly, but like what's your team like? Is it just you? Like if you're just cooking for Ellie, is it you or how many people work for you? Yeah, it was just me on Ellie. And then when I was touring with Blink, it was me and another chef who was hired through a catering company, um, which anyone looking to get into this field, I feel like uh, uh, the best route to do that instead of just like showing up at a restaurant, hoping someone asks you to be a personal chef 
is to go through a catering company okay. and a touring catering company. There's a couple out there that are pretty good. Um, and just to get the experience through that. And a lot of the times artists will reach out to them to hire personal chefs. So, um, we hired someone else working with me to, so that we could cover all of Blink, um, Adam, and he came through um, Latitude 45, which is one of the catering companies out in California. Well, we'll have to get a list of those from you afterwards. I just know the one that does yes, work tour, yeah. like Tata, and they do some venues and stuff like that. that they're not vegan, but they yeah, make yeah. vegan stuff sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of the catering companies now are getting better at vegan food because there's an exponential exponentially larger amount of people becoming vegan these days so especially in the touring worlds yeah us health us health people hey if you're gonna yeah. be out Isn't on the it road funny how that's changed so much like just people just touring in general like at least the whole like rock and roll persona of like just you know drinking and doing drugs and now people are like taking beat shots and like take and doing yoga in the morning to together get the meditating in. tonight <laughs> night yeah i love it's it like, if I'm going to drink a bottle of Jack Daniels, I got to wake up and drink some carrot juice as well. Yeah. That's what I do anyways. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like since since uh, since we did the Blink Tour, um, the amount of people that I know personally going into that vegan lifestyle has grown exponentially. Um, and even like even here in Orlando, like where we live yeah. now, uh, there was like, I think when you moved here, there was like three or four vegan restaurants and like obviously because of COVID, a couple of restaurants closed, but like right before COVID, I think there was like probably like eight or nine or some ridiculous number like that. Oh yeah. And I think, I think in the next couple of years, it's just going to get even crazier. I think that there's definitely people realizing different benefits um, of being vegan. And I think that there's definitely a market to create more vegan restaurants. So yeah, I definitely see that happening in the next couple of years. I mean, one of the reasons that I was hesitant about moving to Orlando, which if you're listening to this and you don't know, um, on that Blink tour, Neil and I, that's where Neil and I met. And after we were trying to decide whether or not um, he should move to Los Angeles or I should move to Orlando. And for me, like, Orlando had no vegan food. It didn't, it had like, we had a couple of restaurants, a small vegan scene. Right. It was very, it was small, but I definitely, it was not LA. I couldn't, it right, I couldn't like translate my job. Right. I couldn't translate what I did in Los Angeles to Orlando. So, um, we kind of got sold on the taxes issue of that conversation because taxes are <laughs> obviously, um, cheaper and I was still touring at that time. So it made sense. Yeah. I'm it's bummed. A, I miss you guys a, over here, but what'd you say? I say for selfish reasons, I'm bummed, but I'll just have to make do with John, Donna Jean. And every time you guys are in town, just go there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. See, Mary's really good friends with the chef at Donna Jean, uh, Roy. I know. And I'm like, I know Mary. Was, did Roy, did Roy, <laughs> Roy was in music for a little bit, right? Did he ever tour? Yeah. Yeah. He, he was in a band. Yeah, he toured for a while. Um, God, he's going to kill me for not knowing this. I forget what <laughs> band he was in. But no, yeah, he was in on. a band for a while. You just go, Roy was in, and then we'll just overdub it. In okay, there. sick. Like, uh, It'll uh, be Roy was in. <laughs> nice. Now just say every um, sound in the English language, and we'll piece it together. <laughs> Deep fake style. I feel like food and music has so many crossovers like a lot of people that work in kitchens also 
are in music and vice versa. Like there's tons of people, even just in our kitchen at Winter Park Biscuit Company that have toured before or were musicians Mm -hmm. prior to getting into the kitchen. I feel like it's because the kitchen is just kind of like a breeding ground for misfits. You know, people that <laughs> <End quote. laughs> people that want to like an alternative lifestyle, I guess. It's also one of those things too where it's like you can have tattoos and right. you're not like out like front of house, right? Like if, if if you were at a fine dining restaurant, like they probably would not want to hire unfortunately. Uh, people with a lot of tattoos to do like, you know, the waitress or waiter job or. Yeah. I mean, I think that's changing now, but yeah, for sure. And I feel like back in the day, like that's why a lot of chefs were like, I can do what I want. You know, I'm back here. I wear chef coat or I do what, you know, it's like, it wasn't like a a prerequisite wasn't, you had to look a certain way. You could look any way you wanted. And um, I don't know me personally, I always, that was one of my favorite parts about traveling and being on tour is I could go try out so many amazing restaurants and I know that like once, um, if touring ever stopped, I would really, I, my, one of my goals before we even met each other was I wanted to own a bar or a restaurant or both or something that was like that. And it was kind of a goal of mine to kind of get into that because of all the places that I visited on the road and how much I love those experiences. And maybe, okay. maybe a lot of people that, uh, kind of got out of touring earlier than, than I did. That's probably like why they found themselves kind of being like, well, I could get into food. You know, it's something I also know and love. I also think the work ethic is the same as Mary's kind of said, you know, like, and I've heard Neil talking about what the people are like that work in your guy's kitchen in uh, Florida. It's just like this crazy work ethic that you can really only achieve, at least I feel, when you're passionate and love something and believe in it. And I feel like that parallels a lot between music and food because people feel so deeply connected to it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, absolutely. Because like, it's yeah. another creative outlet too. You know, you're creating these things that then people will go on to either love or hate, right? And you get kind of that instant gratification from it. If someone's going to complain about your food, you'll find out immediately. Kind of like, you know, if you're a musician and you're standing on stage and everyone's just staring at you, you know, kind of that equivalent. And you get this, this gratification of making people happy. You know? Yeah. There's, there's so much value. Like you were saying, like, it feels so good to be the person that's giving this artist, whether it's an actor or a musician, their energy to do the thing that they do. Like that's, yeah. and I feel like yeah. music is similar. It's like, you're giving these kids or these people at the show the best night of their life. Like what a right. beautiful yeah. thing to be a part of in the world, not to get too mushy, but that's so awesome. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Man, sorry, I, I like I'm just like reminiscing of like what touring was like. It's we just take have a moment of silence for touring. It's be so cool when it comes back. Oh Jesus, I don't even know what to do with myself. Definitely gonna have to like <laughs> run a bunch just so I can even put my guitar on and go on stage. You know what I mean? Like, like who's yeah. that guy? I can't be Neil. Holy shit, it is. Um, uh, well, I, Neil, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we checked off most of the things in our list to kind of give a a view of what it's like to be a chef. Is there anything that we're missing? Because I go, I was going to ask her, you know, uh, what are some of the things that someone would kind of do before getting into this? Like, you know, like what are some things that would be like, we've asked a guitar tech, like what are some qualities that you would have to have before getting into being a guitar tech on the road? Um, What would you say some of the things that are necessary uh, to be a chef out on tour? Uh, I would think just your basic your basic skills in the kitchen, sharpening up on your, you know, your 
do you do you mean just to cook in general or do you mean as if you're already a cook and you want a tour well i think that like if let's say that there's someone listening to this and uh they don't know what they're going to do with their life or they they know they like food or or they know they they love music and they kind of see themselves being on tour what are some things that they could be like oh i i kind of already have a lot of those qualities and maybe this would be a cool job for me Um, I think just getting in the kitchen and getting creative, uh, making as much different food as possible, because that's another thing on tour. Like someone can tell you that they want something made that you've never made before. And you really have to be able to, like I said earlier, adapt to that. So, um, just learning basic, your basic cooking skills of every kind of avenue, every cuisine, um, that you could possibly, possibly do. And you're, you're, you know, you're not going to learn all of it. If you get into it, you'll realize really quickly that a lot of it you learn on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, just educating yourself on the basics of it. And th- there's nothing you can r- truly do to prepare yourself for it. If you are someone that wants to go down this avenue, whether or not you've toured before, I think, touring with childhood definitely helped me but if I didn't have that and I got offered this somehow whether it be through a catering company or I was just a personal chef in Los Angeles who just wanted to get into the touring aspect of it I think um I think just having the basic knowledge of how a tour works Mm -hmm. um what the day-to-day looks like what what positions people have on tour um, and what that looks like for your day to day, as far as what a tour manager will do to help you, what, a, you know, what local crews will do to help you. What, who speaks yeah. to who, how parts talk to each other. Mary, if you know right, of any podcasts right. that people could is. listen to for this, just let us know and we'll, uh, send them to that direction. Like, I don't know if, what you, did know, you, say? So if you know of any podcasts that like talk about being on the road <laughs> or anything, let us know. We'll help. Them I out. know <laughs> you just, my advice is to just listen to this pod- podcast yes. on repeat until you get the job. <laughs> all right. And we're stopping recording. Good job, guys. Uh, that's all we needed. We need to- I was going to, I was going to say, I know that like before, before we met, like a lot of the things that I learned about cooking were through like cookbooks or, uh, you know looking online at different resources. Like, do you have any resources that you could recommend to someone that maybe wanted to get into? Yeah. YouTube now more than ever is an incredible um, tool to utilize, to learn basic skills, basic knife skills, um, just uh, mise en place, just making, like even sanitation. What is a mise Mise en place? (laughs) It is the way you're making, it's basically making sure everything is in place um, before you start cooking. So making sure you have all the ingredients, the right measurements. Um, and then I would say just like looking up how a recipe is made, looking up how, um, certain foods are stored, um, looking up your local, like honestly getting a food handler's license would be, uh, the next step too. If you don't already have one and you want to get into this field, um, studying food handlers will absolutely educate you on sanitation and how to handle food correctly at what temperatures they should be kept. That's huge, right? Cause it's like, yeah, it's your it's responsibility to kind of not make sure that no one gets sick from the food you're making. Right. That would be bad. Correct. That would yeah. be a job loss. I yes. believe if your artists <laughs> yeah. can no longer perform. Yes. Jeez. Yeah. Must be, is it, is it nice being a vegan chef because you don't have to handle meat? 
And like, I feel like that's prone to getting people sick. Um, you can still absolutely get sick from vegetables. Um, it is actually one of the top, um, foods, uh, romaine lettuce, tomatoes, you can definitely get foodborne illnesses from those things. So I definitely think that it's still a good idea to get your food handlers. Oh license. yeah. Um, I wasn't trying to say not to get sure it, you're... just to clarify. <laughs> right. But I, I mean, to answer your question, I think it's pretty similar. Yeah. Whether it's meat or vegetables, okay. you're definitely, you still have um, very high risk of um, contamination if you're not educated in those uh, measurements and temperatures. It's like that's with any anything. Like if you want to get into food in any anywhere, that's a great uh tool to have under your belt it's like because like the more things that you can kind of cross off the list the more um likely you are to get a job especially in like a really high uh, competition market you know it's like right you show up you're like i i have great knife i don't know like that's one of the things that's always kind of eluded me is like knife skills it's like even though i've tried really hard to get it it's like i always like you know like you just your hands won't move from that position yeah 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 and just for anyone listening you can get your food handlers license without working in a restaurant you can just get it you can go online you can study they'll give you the information you pay for it you can just have it in your back pocket as something and just another um set of skills that you now have and if you want to work in a restaurant in the future it's something that on an application is great to have noted might just get it for fun. I mean, I was talking about this earlier, but like, so if you wanted to be specifically a vegan chef, are there any like cookbooks out there that they could go and get that like maybe would take teach them the basics of being a vegan chef that you could recommend? Yeah, there's a great book um, called Veganomicon. And it is a... Did you write it? Um, no, 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 no. This is by um, a chef called uh, Chef Isa. And it's a great basics of vegan cooking because I'm not going to promote my own cookbook. I think that there was some, another one called Simple Vegan Cooking. <laughs> there is. I do have a cookbook called Simple Vegan Cooking. Yeah. Mayor, if you're not going to promote your book on a podcast about you doing your job, who is? Come on. He set you up. I, upset. I you had the spike. You didn't get it, but that's okay because he'll do the third. I think... The reason I didn't want to, I saw it. The reason I didn't want to is because I do think that there are cookbooks out there that if you're going into the specific fields that are better, I think the cookbook that I created is more for home cooking, which is great. And it definitely will get you into being more creative in your own kitchen. But like I said, there are other cookbooks out there that are geared towards a wider variety of cooking. And if you're going to take on this job, then that's really what you need. I like that. You're an honest person. But when you first start cooking, you're at home though, right? And like, if I was like learning cooking for vegan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if you wanted to buy my cookbook, you can buy it on Amazon. It's called simple vegan cooking. (laughs) I'm just so proud of you. And I think that it's such a cool thing that you have written your own book and you've written more than one book. And I, I'm just proud of you, and I uh, I think everyone should read it because I did, and it was awesome. You should write a vegan sci-fi yeah, you, book. A what? Sorry, a, a vegan sci-fi what? book. A vegan sci-fi book. Yeah, a vegan sci-fi book. Like, like the like adventures of cabbage like and lettuce or something. Aliens? 
What like you say? cucumbers with like lasers and shit? Yeah, laser beams. Like Coming non-fiction. Vegan. I feel like this would need to be a children's book in order for it to make sense. I'm offended, but it's well. okay. I have a I have a possible uh, <laughs> title. Impossible. Veggie Tales. Oh, Maybe. that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wait, that already exists. All right, should I go? Um, <laughs> wait uh well before we finish up mary do you have any cool i don't know yeah i know that you work with people who like uh for people who don't know like it's pretty known in this industry like we work with a lot of privacy is a big thing so we don't really tell stories about people especially with names but mary do you have any stories that happened in the music space or throughout your career that you could share with us that you would like to share that are i don't know funny or a time you overcame a challenging thing on tour or just a wild ride of an adventure. Um, Other than ending up marrying Neil because you met him on. That's pretty cool. I think that's the coolest story that I don't have an, a signed NDA attached to. Um, <laughs> I think that I think us meeting and just the natural transition into us meeting was is pretty incredible. I mean, like I definitely did not start that tour thinking that I was going to meet the love of my life and I was going to marry him and have the little angel baby that we have now. So I um, think yeah, that is yeah. definitely the wildest story, especially because I didn't even want to take the tour um, <laughs> because I didn't to be. want to tour. Like I wanted to stop touring, you know, but because it was blank and specifically because it was Travis, like he, if you ever have the pleasure of meeting him or have had the pleasure of meeting him, you know that he's just one of the most genuinely good people in this world. So there was no way that I was going to say no to that. And the fact that I met my husband, you know, she heard this like little band called a day to remember was going to be on it. Yeah. Their stage right guitar player was a hunk. So I actually never, I never really listened. Well, yes, that's an obvious. Actually, this is a good story. Uh, The first time I ever talked to Neil um, or the first time I ever heard his voice, I was cooking I forget where we were, but we were in like an NBA room. Like it was like the NBA press room. It was the Oklahoma Thunders uh, arena in Oklahoma (laughs) City. That makes sense. I should just ask for the story. I feel bad that I didn't ask for this story. Like he's the host of the show. Let's hear it. Go for it. It's it's pretty good. Uh, And a group of guys walked by the room. Me and Adam were cooking that day. Not me. And I just hear someone. Yes, not you. Um. And I hear someone go, is she going to be on the whole tour? <laughs> and I immediately was like, oh, my gosh, someone doesn't want me on this tour. Like, I, like, took it as a negative. Like, I – and I told Neil this after, you know, we got off tour. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, someone was like, is she going to be on this whole tour in the beginning of the um, – of the beginning of the tour and he's like yeah it was me i was like asking if you were gonna be on this whole tour because he thought i was a local catering girl uh, yeah in el paso he thought, he's not used to having yeah, catering so, like not everybody is you know travis barker level well you know i i, mean? I, I th- that sounded bad I, I didn't mean it to sound bad i just meant like travis barker trap i don't know neil no i get what you're saying yeah. not everyone gets to have an amazing personal chef that yeah. is also incredible looking right and um, i think I, and to say like blink as a whole you know we were we were definitely like cooking for blink as a whole not just travis but yeah well and and at that point in the tour just so everyone doesn't think i'm an asshole for being like is she gonna be on the whole tour um no i i was just i thought that you were someone that worked at the venue because like Adam was saying, not everyone gets to have personal chefs on tour. That's a very unusual thing, especially f- for a day to remember in the world that we're coming from. 
uh, Blink-182 was the biggest band we'd ever been on tour with at that point. Um, and most of the time, in, including the time that Adam was with us, we headlined. We were the biggest band. So if we didn't have right. a chef on the road, there wasn't a chef on the road. <laughs> the opener and brought so a chef us, out. <laughs> what did you say? The, the opener <laughs> of the tour brought the chef out. We, I don't know what's going on. but Well, I didn't even know. Like, so That'd be so funny. I, I was like too nervous to talk to this person in El Paso that I thought was like beautiful. And, and then, uh, I saw her the next day. And so I was talking to Davey, our merch guy. And I was like, is she going to be on the whole tour? I was like, what? Oh this yeah. That's the sick. first time I met Davey. Davey came out. Um, I was by the tour buses and Davey came out and was like, so what's your deal? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, so what's your deal? What do you do? Why are you here? You know? And I was like, Davey's so nice like too. You're like, he is. He will go up to anyone, and he does well, not care. Well, I also asked him. He's a massive human to too. Figure He's out what tall. your deal was. Oh yeah, it definitely felt like he was vetting me for someone else. He was like, "So what's your deal? Why are you here? What's your, you know?" Like he definitely made it clear that. Are you a catering girl in El Paso? No, you're not. Oh, okay, you're actually like someone pretty high up on the. Okay. Oh shit. Okay, you're Travis Parker's chef. Cool. All right. No, oh, all sweet. of Blink One Eight Two chef, not just Travis's. No, she was yes. definitely just Travis's well, chef. I was Travis, but God, we confused. as a whole were cooking. So yeah, she had a team. It was I her and wanted... Adam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. But then after that, the first time I talked to Neil, he was running, and he, I said, "Hey," and he kind of just grunted at me. I was like, okay, cool. I mean, if you know me at all, you know that running is like not a strong suit of mine. <laughs> kind of a big guy. It's hard mm -hmm. already. And I was nervous. And so uh, I couldn't talk. And so it was a grunt that came out. <laughs> yeah. So then he had Travis's daughter. Uh, set I didn't up. have any. No. Okay. First of all, we're friends. Okay. Um, and. Uh -huh. She, she was what, eight at the time? She knew me well enough to know that <laughs> I had a crush. 11, Alabama. <laughs> Yeah. She knew me well enough to know that I had a, she's not 11. She may be 11 years old, like physically, but like mentally, she's not 11. She knew what was going on. She's like, who do you have yeah, a crush a on this tour? And I'm like, I'm, I was like, Alabama, I'm not going to tell you. You're gonna get me I'm in not going to talk to you about this. Yeah. Like in my mind, I'm like, this is completely inappropriate. I'm like, I'm not going to talk to you about this. And she's like, do you have a crush on Katie? I'm like, no, I don't have a crush on Katie. She's like, do you have a crush on Mary? And I'm like, Alabama. And the little, the little pause. She that knew. I had. She goes, one second. And I'm like, what? I'm like, Alabama, do not do that. Stop it. And so Alabama ran and uh Sounds like a movie. It's the She it came really in at is. me and she was like, Do you have a crush on Neil from a day to remember? And I said, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and she goes, Come with me. So she takes me to their dressing room. Neil's getting changed in the dressing room. <laughs> and because she knows that I have to find her at a certain point in the day and ask her what she wants for dinner or if she, you know, like what she's gonna eat. So she would make it a point to go to a day to remember's room so that I would have to go find her. That's yeah, she awesome. would just come and hang out with us. Like we basically, her and Landon just were in our room. Like yeah, they yeah. lived in there. Wait, and can I? Can I? She ask found something? that out, and she's just like, "I'm gonna make this my mission. You guys are gonna." And she did. She was our little matchmaker. Can I yeah. ask something before we go on? Yes. Do you guys want to explain, or if there's anything to be said for like, um, like how this can be perceived inappropriate on tour sometimes, or is there is there anything that went through your heads like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this, or is that not a thing at all? Well, I mean, yeah. Mary was very professional. And even though all of the advances that I made to try and hang out with her, she wouldn't because 
she was professional. And I am from a different side of it, right? So you can obviously speak to this, Mary, but... <laughs> I'm from the side that's not so professional. Well, I'm from the band. Like, I do what I What's want. What's that mean? You know? And yeah, not to say, no, like... Totally. And not to be, like, any weirdness or whatever. Like, not like I do what I want, whatever. It's like, we are the people on tour that employ other people. So if, like, I want to, like, go and meet someone and ask them on a date, that's not a weird thing to do. That's pretty normal, and I could do that, and that's fine. Whereas, like, maybe it is a little bit more... Uh, inappropriate to ask the chef of a band that you're opening up for on on a date. It's like you know, like you don't you don't um, date within a workplace for for a good reason, you know, like because if something goes south right. or you guys don't end up liking each other and things get awkward, it makes working together very hard. What was it? And um, she knew that, and she was very respectful of that, and I was respectful of that because of her, because I just liked her, and I. I really wanted to hang out with her and I did it in a way to where it was respectful of that situation. And we didn't fully hang out like, um, like and go on dates until it was like an off day or the end of tour. Like we never really hung out like on show days. So yeah, we, I mean, we didn't start talking until like two weeks before tour ended. I remember because that's the only time I was on. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, It's one of those things where you – I just respect the people that I work with so much too. Mm -hmm. And to put anyone else in like an awkward position or, you know, I just try to keep that to a minimum. And so with us, we really did that. And to be honest, everyone was rooting for us at that point. I mean everyone on the tour. Neil would be in the kitchen literally every day at the end of tour. So at that point, everyone was like – Well, I was was learning how to cook. Okay, Mary. (laughs) So right, right. Sorry, that's right. I wish I that I was on to that tour vegetables. only to get only to see. Well, I'm sure Hartley has a bunch, but I would love to see the photos of you guys in the kitchen. Uh, that's cool. I I honestly don't think there are really any photos of us in the kitchen unless someone has one and we've never seen it. I, I think there's so like a hard. photo of me sitting with Alabama in like Albuquerque whenever we first got the first like Beyond Burger from the grocery store and we cooked beyond burgers that night um i think that's like the only one a photo of me in the kitchen area right and she was playing matchmaker then she was like very much like hey you wanna do you wanna um come to the kitchen with me and i'm like yeah i guess (laughs) i do (laughs) well i'm happy that you guys could kind of navigate that however easy or difficult it was for you to you know i think it can be easy just because of the end of tour and yeah we really got to know each other after tour. So, well, I think there's right. there's a wrong, not a wrong way, but there definitely is like, like you guys said, there's things you did that were intentional and the way you kind of looked at it. And I think that's, I don't know, it's cool. You, I, me saying it's cool, you made it work out sounds so much different than what I mean to say. But it's I'm no, so I, happy you guys I met each other. I understand what you mean because yeah. a lot of times it cannot work out that way. A lot of times it ends up being a really messy situation and it makes it awkward for more than just the two people involved. Right. And I do understand what you're saying. We just got lucky. Like we said, we didn't really talk the whole tour and it was like the last two weeks of the tour. By that point, you know, most tours, the last two weeks, it's pretty lax. Um, things are like kind of winding up and kind of are winding down. And uh, everyone's kind of like in that mode. We're like, let's get this done so we can go home and go see our family. And Yeah. I mean, we were in California by that point. Right. I think we started hanging out in Portland and then we were in California the next few days and really like I was home. Like I had stayed at my house for the last week and a half of shows. Um, that's awesome. And that's like really when we started hanging out. Yeah. Dang. 
it must be so hard. Like I can't imagine what it's like to meet the love of your life while you're on tour and then have to work all day and then be like, but I just want to hang out with them. Like, cause I know that feeling. It's just she like, didn't care. Yeah. I mean, no, <laughs> no, I she what she it was definitely like. hard. It was, it was hard, but I had a job to do and that yeah. always came first, you know, like as much as I wanted to hang out with Neil, like, she had it I, easy. She had something to keep her mind busy. I was just like <laughs> in the dressing room. I'm like, going to play Call of Duty for 14 hours straight. So I don't think about this girl that I really want to just go talk to. That's like right over there, but I can't talk to her. Well, that's cute. I, I remember like one time Katie asked you guys what you wanted for after show food or she made a list and you put <laughs> the chef with the eyebrows on the after show. <laughs> Sounds like something I would do. <laughs> that's what he would call me. The girl with the eyebrows. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a uh, everybody has eyebrows, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Look at her right, and tell me that hers aren't a defining fe- factor. <laughs> I'm actually like thinking now, Mary. Do people with blonde hair usually have brighter colored eyebrows or no? Do they have brighter colored eyebrows? Like, like, like do people's so eyebrows match their hair? Well, your eyebrows are supposed to be lighter. So my hair is like dirty blonde okay. naturally. Obviously, this is not natural. Or maybe not obviously, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's pretty, pretty close. To, people... It's not far from your natural color. Oh, my, my natural is very darker. It's, it's almost brown. But my <laughs> eyebrows are black. Really? Like, they're they're compl- they're way darker than my... But your eyebrows are naturally supposed to be lighter than your hair color, and mine are not. So it is a unique so attribute. It's, it's very unique. It and they're unique. very defined. Well, I it's never like a defining, noticed, and I feel it's bad. A, it's a defining feature of her face. And it's a great one. I loved it. Like, it was one of the things that I had first noticed about her. It's one of the things I still love about her. And everyone always like, she's got, like, fake eyebrows, all this stuff. She does not have fake eyebrows. I'm just telling you guys I know, right I get, now. I get that. That's my number one message on Instagram is, like. Oh, that must be so nice of people. Say, oh, yeah, I know. Hey, by the I way, mean, can I ask you this personal thing? Just in, like, hey, yeah, I have, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you have alopecia and you have to get your eyebrows tatted or something. Like, it's not really. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. Yeah, I'm like, why would I? Why would I choose to have it look like I sharpied on my eyebrows? Like, why would that be my go-to? <laughs> but I love them. I do. I I think that with the internet, especially, it's so it's so easy for people to say comments that are rude, but they don't know that they're yeah, they can't you know? see like, your reaction. Just like right, right. It's I do hard. it all the time, just uh, in real life. <laughs> I don't mean to. I don't mean to be rude. I think the biggest thing is like with the internet, like a lot of times you don't get a chance to say sorry or, or show someone that you actually learned your lesson or that you feel bad about it, you know? Cause a lot of times with no, with no like face to face contact, like you don't see that you actually hurt someone most of the time. As Justin Bieber and sometimes would say, people are just trolls, you know, like a lot of times they don't even actually care yeah. that they're talking to a human being or not, but. Right. Is it too nice? Yeah. Yes. I think we did the whole interview, Neil and Mary. Mary, we did it. We did it. Did it. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thanks for well, coming thank out and hanging out. Thank you for having me. Is this uh, the part where I do Kevin's? Uh, Wait, there's one other question we have. Oh, Neil, do you, you want to ask okay. the two questions or the what's I up? I have one more question for you since you already know the second one. I'm gonna, it's only one. Uh, when you were on tour, did you use shower shoes? Freak! Yes, I did because it is disgusting to not use shower shoes. <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> I pee in our you, so, Adam, to be clear, you do not use shower never. shoes. Never. Neil doesn't either. No, I've never used shower shoes. We in my neither life. of us do. What? 
Guys, okay, so I have definitely toured in some really great venues, and even those bathrooms are pretty disgusting. I think Tom DeLong said a really funny quote the other day. He's like, when you reach the top of rock and roll, you just enter into some sweaty dude's hockey locker. <laughs> that is very, very true. <laughs> or he says something that's like very similar to that, but it was like today. really funny because it's so true. It's like when you hit the biggest level of like touring, you just are in arenas and you use the locker rooms for like everything. Sweaty like athletes that is so good because it is absolutely true we hung yeah. up some sheets on the walls to make this look more like a real room but it's actually <laughs> it still the smells locker room. like some guy's nutsack <laughs> oh my god uh where's it's alex true. oh he's in that cubby over there just sitting yeah. inside of it <laughs> oh okay <laughs> that's where they store all the sweaty jerseys it's like alex oh okay oh man all right yeah the last right. thing is the, the, the last Kevin's one cap. you already know in your own words send it off to kevin scaff all right kevin take it away 